Hello and welcome to the Limitless Podcast with me, Joshua Patterson. I'm passionate about sharing the stories of courage and resilience. Each week, I will be interviewing extraordinary people from all different walks of life who saw past their statistics, who turned personal moments of adversity into strength. My hope is that this podcast can inspire you to step outside of your limits and achieve things you thought never possible. Welcome to Limitless. This podcast is sponsored by Wellman Vitamins. When life shows no signs of slowing down, Wellman's advanced supplements give you optimized support to keep you feeling your best. Designed exclusively by Vitabiotics for the lifestyle needs of men at every stage of life. Wellman is the UK's number one multivitamin for men offering comprehensive formulas with vitamins B6 and B12 to support normal energy release. So to support you in pushing past your limits, Wellman is here to help you feel energized and live life well. To find out more, visit www.vitabiotics.com slash pages slash Wellman. Thank you to all of the team at Wellman. Today I'm talking with someone who believes the human will is limitless, that he is here to carry the message of hope that together we can achieve extraordinary things. Gabriel became the first human to go across America in a standard wheelchair. It took him over three months to achieve the 3,100-mile challenge. I've personally never resonated more with the story in my life. I'm sure you will too. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce you today to Gabriel Cordell. Brother, oh my days. I cannot tell you how happy I am to be speaking to you right now. Likewise, my friend, likewise. Thank you for having me. Honestly, this is this is such a privilege for me to be able to speak to you. There are a thousand and one questions I have to ask you, um, but I just want to start it off by honestly saying it's so interesting how a person can come into your life at a certain point. And, you know, there's been so many conversations that have happened around me where, you know, an artist or a particular song or a film has really resonated with someone and had such an impact in their life. And I honestly want you to know from the bottom of my heart, your documentary was that moment. Wow. Genuinely. I, I just, I've, you know, to, to, to watch you as a person and your experience was just incredible and you know i i can honestly say i cried the whole way through it <laughs> and you know any any peers of mine that i've shared the documentary with because i think they should should be invested in it because i know i'll have an impact in their lives have, have had exactly the same experience so i just want to start this conversation off by just saying thank you so much for the impact that you've had in my life wow you know it means it means the world to me um you know as great as as great as the accomplishment was, what you just said is why we need to challenge ourselves and inspire others for this specific reason is to hopefully inspire someone to greater things, and that is the greatest thing that I could ever ask for and hope for, and uh, and I appreciate that. I think what's really important um, for us, for, for those that haven't watched your documentary, I think it's it's so important for us to share, you know, your story, you know, kind of where this all began. 
Mm. You know, I think people will be able to tell from your accent that you are an American. Yes, sir. Um, and you're you're from New York, right? Yes, I'm. Uh, I was well. Originally, I was born in North Africa, uh, in Libya, and I moved to the States when I was five and a half, and we moved to uh, Long Island, New York. I lived there for 27 years, and uh, I moved out to Los Angeles in 1998, and I've been here ever since. Now, at a young age, you had a huge passion for acting, didn't you? I did. And this is where your story, I think, really began. Yes, sir. Where you were on your way. This was in October 17th, 1992, I believe. Yes, sir. You were on your way to your first major audition, and this is when your life changed forever. First major audition. You know, I finally got the courage to tell my parents I was not going to follow in the family business, and I was going to pursue my passions, my dreams, and... uh for the next two and a half, three years, all I did was study. I did workshops, I did seminars, I did classes, um, did theater. I mean, anything I can do. And I finally felt I was ready to audition. And um, I had my first audition that day, that morning. And just like any other morning, I woke up. I still continued to work at the family business, but that wasn't my priority. It was my obligation, but it wasn't my priority. And I woke up that morning, went to work with my mom, left a little early, went home, got ready, got into my Jeep, and about a mile in route, I entered the intersection I entered a thousand times before. And from my left peripheral vision, I... I saw a car coming at me and it was not slowing down and uh, I knew I was going to get hit. So I just grabbed onto the steering wheel as tight as I possibly could. I got T-boned on the driver's side. My Jeep flipped. I went flying through my soft top, six feet in the air, smashed my back against the telephone pole and there you go. My life just changed just like that. And that's, that's ultimately when you became... Paralyzed T six from the from, from the chest down from right? like mid chest like right above right right below the chest where your solar plexus. When I got into my accident, I was on an island all alone. I didn't have anyone to go to um, who understood what I was going through. But my time in my inpatient rehabilitation center at Rusk Institute that is what changed my life and what gave me a new perspective on life in general. I thought to myself, wow, I had 22 years of health and normalcy, something these kids will never, ever experience. And it gave me a whole new perspective on how much I should appreciate what I have and the fact that I still have my arms. That was huge. I think too often in life we focus on what we've lost rather than what we have. And it was only the other day a friend of mine, um, you know, to share a bit of my story, yes, you know, sir. it was a good friend of mine who who had a motorbike accident which opened my eyes to a whole new reality of disability. And he accepted what happened to him pretty pretty instantly and has lived a an unbelievably inspiring life since the day of his accident because he feels like everything happens for a reason. Everything 
you know, serves a purpose. And he believes that he's been put on this planet because he has the ability to be resilient to what has been done to him and to go on and inspire others. And the amount of people that he meets who have these disabilities, and we're talking 10, 15 years who still have not accepted that they have this disability, you know, or see lesser of themselves. And I think it's so important when individuals like yourself speak like that, where we need to alter a human's perception of how they see themselves. There is no shortage of inspiration in this world. And all you got to do is turn on YouTube or, you know, turn on the TV if you're looking for it. And I think um, the greatest thing that I learned through my rehabilitation and being around those children was uh, the power of the human will. And that to me, that is the greatest gift that we are born with. And I'm not talking about getting up and willing yourself to go to work or willing yourself to go deal through a, uh, a family event. I'm talking about putting yourself out there and not waiting for something to happen to you to realize what you're capable of. We don't know what we're truly capable of and the effect that we can have on people. And I think that is the most important thing to get out of life is to affect as many people in a positive way as you possibly can in any way that you can for as long as that you can. I would argue that no monetary or materialistic thing in this world can make you feel the way a human being telling you that you've made a change in their life or you've inspired them. Nothing. I, I, I remember, Gabriel, I was about four days into my challenge. I, I, for my best friend in honor of him, I did 900 miles in a wheelchair. Okay. And about four days in, I was really low. My body was broken to pieces and a car pulled over. And one of the charities I was raising money for was, was the Royal Marine Charity. And this guy got out of the vehicle and he walks over to me and he told me that he'd been looking for me. And he said, I just wanted to shake your hand and say thank you. And I said, thank you for what? He said, what you're doing for my people. I'm an ex-Royal Marine. I can never thank you enough. I've lost two friends to suicide this year. And to know that somebody like you is, is, is looking out for me means everything to me. And I just said, thank you so much. And the impact that that man had in my life, not just in that day, but still to this day, the fact that I'm speaking of him, mm. you know, he becomes my motivation in life. And it's interesting because, you know, you talk about this is that, you know, a lot of these journeys, you tend to think about yourself and, and kind of the impact that it can have. But then actually the reality is it's the impact that other people end up having on you. It opens your eyes to, to, to different realities, doesn't it? You know, I've done many roles since my role across America. And uh, every single time I get stopped, it is a humbling, emotional roller coaster. And when somebody acknowledges you and tells you that you have made an impact in their life, it does not get better than that unless you, you know, unless you become a parent to a new child. That's about the only thing that I can imagine would be greater feeling. And the more you prove people wrong, the more, you know, uh, they start to believe that it's not about the disability, but it's about the person. 
What amazes me about you, though, is that, you know, having watched a role with me, it just, you know, you were talking about, you kind of started to test drugs at kind of a young age, about 13 years old, am I right? Yes, sir. And unfortunately, through the accident, you know, kind of the levels of intake increased and it kind of went from kind of just playing with drugs to becoming an addiction. As a man, there's not too many things that one identifies with, right? You know, uh, because for each of us, you know, we identify with different things, you know, uh, that's what makes us individuals. But there are certain things that we all identify with the same things and sex and our sexual being, our manhood, if you want to call it, um, that's something that is prevalent in every man's life, in every person's life. 100%. And I was a very, very sexual being. And I got to tell you, when that gets taken away from you, you know that expression, hell on earth? Yeah. That's it, brother. And there's no sugarcoating this. I don't care how mentally strong you are. There is nothing that will make up for that loss. When I got into my first serious relationship, it was, a, it was an issue. It was an issue. And I didn't know how to deal with it. And, um, and it was a constant issue the whole duration of the relationship. And that's when like, I started trying to figure out how am I going to... I guess replace it, if you want to say, if you will, um, that feeling. And when I, when I started doing drugs, um, I started with cocaine and then eventually moved on to crystal meth. It allowed me to get in a state of mind where, where sexual promiscuity was on the table and, and porn and anything where I can get a mental release. And I actually thought that I was getting some kind of satisfaction, some kind of release. I wasn't. It didn't do anything for me. And so there really isn't anything. And that's the honest truth, Josh. There really is no coping mechanism. You just have to have Except. perspective again, yeah. I'm going to use that word perspective and understand that, okay, I may not have this, I may have lost this, but there are so many other people in the world who may have it and still are suffering more than I am. And so at the end of the day, I have to be grateful for what I have and not what I lost. It got to the point, though, where your dealer, which I, I don't think you you really ever hear this, even told you that if you didn't stop, you were going to die. Yes. I mean, it's, I mean that just sums up the level that you were consuming. I mean, for your own dealer to tell you to stop. I, was, it was I don't every think day. I've ever heard of that before. It was every day for five years straight. And listen, you know, it's, you know, for me, it's not about, you know, how much I did and the quantity that I did. Um... It was just the fact that I was doing it every day, every day, every... And, and here's the thing. Um, I was living with my parents at that time, and no one knew what I was doing. How do you get to a point where 
you go, I've got to do something extraordinary. Right. So, okay, let me rewind a little bit. When I came to this country, you know, it was difficult, right? It was hard. It was difficult. But I always knew that uh, that this was the greatest country in the world. Sorry, Josh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that this was the greatest country in the world. And my parents came, brought us here for opportunity. I was very aware of that. And so when I turned 18, I made a promise to myself that by the time I turned 45, I was going to accomplish something extraordinary. Now, I thought that was going to come through acting. And it didn't come through acting. And so let's fast forward. I'm, I'm in about 38 years old, 39 years old. I'm in the midst, in the depths of my drug use. And um, normal day, I go to my drug dealers, I pick up. I go to the first store so I can go use the bathroom. I take my line and I'm rolling home. I have a bunch of porn with me and I got my drugs with me and I'm good to go. And this guy stops me in the middle of a parking lot and says to me, this was in 2009. Uh, he stops me and he says, listen, I'm inventing a new wheelchair and I want to pick your brain and I'll pay you for it. And the only thing I can think of is more money for drugs. And so anyway, so I met with this guy a few times. And uh, three years later, he calls me up out of the blue and says, I just built my first prototype. I want you to come and test it out. I go there, I test it out. And then my brain starts working. My brain starts working. This guy has a new wheelchair. What if I rolled his wheelchair across California? Has anyone ever rolled a wheelchair across California? And I did research and no one rolled a wheelchair across California. Then, wait a minute, has anyone rolled a wheelchair across America? And, and, and so that just started snowballing. And that seed was planted three years ago in that parking lot. And when he had his wheelchair, my brain started just churning, 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 and thinking that I was 42 years old at that moment and I had three more years to fulfill my promise of achieving something extraordinary. And then one thing led to another, and then I realized this is it. This is it. Rolling across America in a wheelchair is what I've been searching for for 25 years. This was the achievement that I've been searching for. I never forgot about it, even through my days of doing drugs I and feeling worthless, I still felt my life was still worth living. That's how that came about. You know, it was some guy who I met randomly in a parking lot that planted a seed. And three years later, that seed started uh, flourishing. I mean, to sum this up to people that want to know this distance. I mean, to go across America, so you started in Santa Monica and the plan was to get to New York. So we're talking, I think it was 3,100 miles yes. and roughly 70,000 feet in elevation. That's the equivalent of climbing Everest twice. Yes. And I think what people don't understand is when, when you go up any form of incline in a wheelchair, it's... It's honestly one of the toughest things. I mean, I, I speak from experience. It's the resistance and it's also, it's, it's factors like wind 
that come into the mix that make it so impossible. You know, it, it's, you know, the variation of gradient, it's things like flies, you know, it sounds silly, but even <laughs> when you're static, if a fly gets into your eye, it's, it's honestly the most painful experience, right? It is 3,100 miles. It's like people, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of, you know, imagine, right? It's hard to imagine. So I break it down like this. To do one marathon in your life is a pretty incredible accomplishment. To start and finish one marathon, okay, 26.2 miles is an incredible accomplishment. It's the standard for athletic excellence, okay? I did 118 marathons in 100 days. It's crazy, isn't it? Lisa France, the filmmaker behind this project, I mean, you guys connected um, beforehand. And at this point, you know, she is, she's incredible. And she was in a really negative headspace, you know, at that time herself. You know, so it almost seems like you guys were, were kind of the rescuer to one another. You know, one of the most powerful, I think, relationships in this documentary is you had Christopher, your nephew, who as well was was struggling at that time with drug addiction, you know, it becomes so apparent that actually this isn't just about saving yourself. This is about saving your nephew, you know, and I would go as far to say that you became like a father figure to him. He had a really, really tough life himself. You know, his father that you guys speak of in, in, in the film, you know, was a very violent man. I think he, he tried to, you know, attempt to murder Christopher's mother two to three times. Yeah. He was very physical with Christopher himself. He was a drug addict himself. And obviously Christopher, regarding the drugs, kind of followed suit. And I think it took the influence of you in his life for him to want to make that change. Out of everything that I've been through in this journey, besides completing it, my greatest hope was for my nephew to finally find the strength within himself to want to get better. And I thought um, that um, the journey in itself was the greatest message he could have living it. And Because uh, it was make or break for him. You literally said if he does not come on this trip, he'll either die or go to jail. Yes, that was my, that's, that's what would have happened. And, um, you know, I, I would love to report good news Josh, but, you know, my nephew is struggling. He was doing well after the role. He got a job. He got a driver's license. He was living on his own, making good money. And, um, you know, for a kid who has never had a grip on life and suddenly he's making money and he has no one to be accountable to was just, you know, the beginning of his new downfall and um he hasn't gotten out of it since unfortunately it it breaks my heart and it pains me you know when i talk to him it's it's devastating and it's um very discouraging but at the end of the day you know just like me at, at uh you know i was i was at the bottom of the barrel as as low as you can possibly be you know, but there was something inside of me. There was always this pilot light that was always lit that never went out, even though I might not have, you know, engulfed 
in into a, a, a burning flame inside of me, but that pilot light never went off. And unfortunately for my nephew, um, his never was turned on. It's it's a difficult thing to sit by. You know, I've been on both ends, and I got to tell you, it's more difficult to be the supporter than the person who's who's actually doing it. I will always be there for him, and I do whatever I have to do. But, you know, after a while, it takes a toll on you. And you have to be able to start, you know, thinking about your mental, your your state. And as much as you want to help those people, they have to help themselves. And when they're ready to help themselves, you need to be there. We all need to be there to lift them up. I, I just, I wish if Christopher was listening to this, that he would understand that he may not see the strength or maturity that he has in his life because there was a, a really, again, a defining moment where, you know, that young lad has the strength to call his father and wish him well. And if you think of what that father had done to his mother, his father had done to him, for that young lad to have the capability to do that, I think says a lot about him. So whenever he questions himself or his strength, if he just reverts back to that one moment, he achieved more in that moment. He had more strength in that moment than I think a lot of people in this world do. And I think that's there's a lot to be said about that. It's a lot easier to forgive other people than to forgive yourself for what you've done. And, um, and I think that's where he struggles with the most, that he is not forgiven himself for the life that he's chosen. Um, and so self-forgiveness is very important as much as it is to forgive someone else. We all have our own journey. And, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, I go around and I sp- go around the country and I speak and, um, Sometimes we wait for things, bad things to happen to us before we are tested and see what we're truly made out of. What we don't do enough of is test ourselves on our own merits and on our own time. And when something happens to you, it's like your choice is either to fight or flight, right? When something happens to you, you pretty much don't have a choice. You, it's either, when, when I got to my accident, it's either I was going to succumb to my disability and I was going to let that rule me or I was going to live my best life. When you put yourself in an awkward situation, when you take on a challenge that seems so insurmountable, and and impossible to do and you achieve it that is living up to your absolute potential is when you create those circumstances and you overcome them as opposed to waiting for them to happen to you and that's what there is a lack of in this world. We need to make more chances. We need to take more risk. We need to bet on ourselves more. And then just imagine if every person in this world, and listen, I'm also very aware to know not every person in this world can live up to their potential because of circumstances. That's just a fact, you know? 
You got all the refugees, you know, all the people who are starving, who are homeless, who have severe mental illness. And there's a lot of, a lot of situations where, where people do not have the ability to do that. So for the ones who do and they don't, man, what a, what a disappointment, you know, what a disappointment, not to just ourselves, but to humanity. Imagine if every single person at some point lived up to their potential, what this world would be like. There, there would be no homeless. There would be no hunger. There would be no acts of killing because everyone would be just living the most righteous life. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen. You said something that stood out, which is when this journey first started, it was about me making history. But soon after, it became about all of us. People from all walks of life united for one common purpose, to inspire others. But what we didn't expect is to be inspired by others, the generosity and all they did for us. We would have not achieved this challenge if it was not for them. It reminded us we are a part of a greater family, to carry the message of hope that together we can achieve extraordinary things. Gabriel, you are that message. And I just want to say, brother, thank you so, so much for sharing your story and giving me your time today. Honestly, as I said, from the bottom of my heart, you are one of the first people in my life that I have truly resonated with their journey and have inspired me to go on and do greater things. Wow. Thank you, Josh. Thank you so much. If people haven't seen Gabriel's documentary, Roll With Me, please go and watch it on Netflix. If, if other individuals want to reach out to you or they want to connect with what it is that you're doing at this point, is there any platform in particular that they can do that on? Well, you know, I have, uh, well, my, my uh, website is info, I-N-F-O, at GabrielCordell.com. And also I have uh, Roll With Me USA on Facebook and Twitter. Amazing. Gabriel, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Josh. God bless you. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Limitless. This podcast is something I'm so passionate about and would love it if you would let me know your thoughts and opinions by leaving a rating and a review in the comment section. It really helps me to spread the word. If you think this story might resonate with someone you know, then please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes every Thursday where I'll be talking to more inspirational guests who have seen past their limits. Until next time.